0: Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common. Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in.
1: Welcome to another edition of my perfect failure. Today I've got the wonderful Elise Kalish. Have I pronounced that correctly? You've ju- I've just sort of had a lesson. But I'm not sure if I've got it bang on, but
0: no, it's perfect. It? Okay,
1: Elise is the uh, editor for the Muse. So that's a, an online job publication which exists in in the States, I guess. I don't know whether that, I guess that covers all the States.
0: Yeah, it's a career publication mainly focused on um, US-based jobs, um, but a lot of our users are sort of coming from all over the world. Um, So whoever is an English speaker and enjoys reading our content um, is coming to our site.
1: Okay, fantastic. I've I've been on there just as some research for this, for you and actually somebody else, and it looks like quite a useful publication for people that need advice on work and so forth. And I can see that your contributions exist in Forbes, in Inc., in Motto, in CBNBC. So obviously your your work is very worthwhile and and very highly thought after.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's very exciting.
1: (laughs) And I've just looked at some of the articles that you've written. There's so much wonderful stuff. So you've been very, very busy over the last few years.
0: Yeah, really kind of dug my hands into lots of different career advice articles. Um, But it's been really, really fun for me.
1: Yeah. And and I guess it covers so much because I guess everybody has a a different experience. I I guess the the synergy between what we all cover, but I guess as the workplace evolves, I I guess you, you have to create different types of content and advice for people.
0: For sure. Yeah.
1: So I I, I guess we've covered a, li- a little bit about you. Maybe you could give us an idea about how you got into this career.
0: Sure. So I started my career at the Muse as an intern. So when I was in college, um, I always wanted to be a writer and I sort of came across the site and I really loved the content they were doing. And I really wanted to be writing content that was going to help people's lives um and so this seemed like the perfect fit for me so i ended up taking an editorial uh, internship um, while i was in school um, and just worked really hard you know really enjoyed the work that I was doing um, and eventually applied when I graduated for a full-time role, sort of transitioned into an associate editor role where I started doing a lot of the things I'm doing now, um, which is, you know, writing, editing, um, working with freelancers and contributors um, to, you know, publish lots of different kinds of advice from lots of different people with different experiences, also working with partners um, to share our content. So people like Forbes and Inc and Fast Company um, and yeah, just exploring the career space and becoming an expert along the way.
1: So you 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 had an interest in, in writing mm-hmm. and that's kind of migrated into the blogging and I, I guess what I'm I'm sort of keen to delve into now is the, the job space. Because the job space is something that all over the world we all can relate to. We all have our challenges, trials, tribulations. Is that something you had a fascination with that lent itself quite nicely to to the writing that you've been doing?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the job search is so tricky and it's tricky for everyone, no matter where you are, no matter what age you are, um, no matter what kind of role you're trying to break into. Um, So just from my own personal experience, I When I was applying for jobs out of school slash internships when I was in school, um, I was getting a ton of rejection and it Mm. was really devastating. It was really unmotivating. Um, It it made me feel like I was a failure or that I was missing a lot of things that other people were looking for. Um, It was just, it didn't make me feel great. And so um, sort of delving into the career space and becoming a writer around these topics has really helped me to sort of use my own experience to help others and also, you know, to feel like I can empower people to get through this difficult time in their lives, finding a job, you know, succeeding in their jobs. Um, we spend, you know, 50 hours, if not more a week at our jobs. So we should like what we do and we um, should be happy in the careers that we have. So if I can make that even a little bit more possible for people, um, that's incredibly rewarding for me.
1: Massively. I, I can relate to that. I'm sure any- anybody that's listen to this can relate to it's, it's very it's very rare that you stumble across your, <laughs> dream, your dream job it'd be lovely to um, finish school and somebody waiting there in a limousine to pick you yeah. up and take you to your dream job that invariably doesn't happen and if it does there's definitely got to be a red flag somewhere 100 so, so how, percent. how did you personally cope with the challenges of rejection because i guess initially you didn't have the experience that you have now.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: what are certain skills or ways that you coped?
0: I think, you know, part of rejection is learning from it. And I think that's really hard to say to somebody who's, you know, going through it um, to take it as a learning experience. Um, but there's so much you can take from job rejection, whether it's, you know, figuring out what, what was missing that you can do for the next time around to prove to the hiring manager that you're qualified for the job, or, you know, maybe it's a tweak to your application, whether you change your resume or you change your cover letter, um, or you do a little bit more networking. Um, So I think, one thing I really tried to do was to not take rejection personally and instead use it as a catalyst for succeeding down the road. Um, and I sort of use that, you know, not just in my job search, but on the job, you know, really making sure that when I have failure, when I have rejection, I'm, you know, using that experience to make me a stronger individual. And I think part of it too is um, being okay with it, thinking as well. I think It's really easy to say, like, get over it, you know, you know, move on, you'll be fine. Um, But, you know, rejection is normal and rejection is a part of life um, and it stinks. And, you know, we all have to go through it Um, and it's okay to, you know, wallow a little bit in it, you know, call a friend, vent a little bit, um, you know, treat yourself to some ice cream or, you know, a good movie, you know, use ways to cope and take care of yourself. Um, because, you know, a lot of times when you're going through a really long job search, you need to find ways to, you know, keep yourself happy and motivated. And sometimes you just need that day or that hour to get through it, um, in the way that's best for you.
1: That's a really sound advice. The process can be demoralising, particularly if you've applied for a number of jobs and you get the rejections, and you don't get the, I guess, the role that that you that you're really keen for, and you put a lot of work into. Something that's sort of I've always I've always been curious of. So, if you get a, if somebody receives a job rejection, is it wise to speak to the employer if you can and get some feedback there?
0: Hundred um, percent. We highly recommend that when you get rejected from a job, you immediately follow up and say thank you so much for letting me know. You know, sort of sending them an email of you know putting yourself on their radar. So thanking them for the experience um, and then saying you know would love to keep in touch in the future. Um, also, if you have any feedback as to you know why you decided to go another route, um, I would love to hear it. Um, a lot of times, hiring managers won't give that to you just because they can't. A lot of it's confidential. A lot of it is a matter of what the other candidate had that you didn't have. So there's not much feedback they can give there um, other than there was just someone who was better. But it's always worth asking because again, you can use that to move forward. Um, and it also shows that you really care about improving um, and being a good fit for this company. So down the road, if the hiring managers are looking to hire somebody for a similar role, they might think of you and say, hey, we really liked this person. Um, let's go back to them and see if yeah. they're still interested in the role. Um, so it, it never helps to follow up.
1: Yeah, because I've I've known that. It's not happened to me, unfortunately, but I know people that have applied for a job, done a great job, but there might have been a candidate that might have had maybe a little bit more experience, but Mm -hmm. the the employer has connected to that candidate who didn't initially get the job and circumstances have led them to maybe they might have had another, some more budget maybe for another person and they've actually gone back to that candidate and said, actually, are you available? And in, very, in this case, they were available and, in, and they got the job that they wanted. So they didn't get it initially, but it, they got it in the end. Absolutely. So I came across you via an article that you wrote for the Fast Company, which again is, a, is, is an American publication. And the article that you'd written about was, or the title of the article, was what can you learn by writing a resume for your failures, which I found really interesting because <laughs> – I haven't. I haven't done that, and it wasn't something that I thought people would do. And I, and I, and I guess for people listening, it was done by a chap by the name of is it Johannes Horshoffer? I think his name is that. Potentially mm-hmm. not pronounced that, but I can put that in the show notes after. So <laughs> I, I just found it interesting. Instead of me. Well, maybe you can tell me a little bit about that.
0: Sure. So this professor of psychology um, and I believe public affairs at Princeton University um, wrote this article, or wrote this CV basically showcasing all of his failures, Um, and this is somebody who works at an Ivy League League institution, you know, is very prominent in their field, Um, and instead of showcasing all of their accomplishments, they decided to focus on all of the things that didn't work out in his career, Um, and so all the degree programs he didn't get into, all the fellowships and awards he didn't receive, um, all the rejections he got from various journals, and so I thought it was really inspiring about this. Obviously, this isn't something you would send to a hiring Mm. manager, um, but it (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it might work to say, hey, you're all things I haven't done, but it's more for yourself. And I think, you know, seeing someone as successful as this person do something like this and really be vulnerable about the things that haven't gone right in his career is really inspiring for other people to really consider, you know, that a failure is a part of the journey. You know, no successful person has gotten there without experiencing plenty of failure. Um, And also a reminder of how far you've come too. I mean, if you can look back on your failures and say, wow, I made it through all these rejections, all of these horrible points in my career, um, and came out the other side, you know, that's incredibly motivating. It can make you feel really good about yourself. And also, again, a reminder that, um, you've faced failure before you can face it again and it's, it's completely normal and it's, it's part of the process.
1: And the thing is when you think of a professor, you think of somebody that is just like a walking encyclopedia. So you don't assume that they would experience any sort of challenge they get up they bash out a book or they write a journal and they go to mm-hmm. university and they teach their students on some really really challenging stuff so so it's just insightful to know that actually there's a journey for them as well it isn't just success you know there's a process to get where they where they've uh, got to.
0: Absolutely. I actually, I have a colleague who wrote sort of a similar article about video montages. So, you know, when you watch a movie, you know, there's this big sequence where the character goes from being very bad at something to be very good at something. So you think of like Footloose, for example, you know, the character is a horrible dancer. And in a course of two minutes with background music, you know, he goes from being a horrible dancer to a great dancer. And and I think uh, what my colleague was saying in the article was that, you know, that's just not a realistic picture of what success mm. looks like. Um, it doesn't take two minutes. Um, and it certainly takes much longer. Um, and it also takes plenty of other failures that aren't showcased in that montage. And and so again, it's this idea that, you know, even successful people, even people that you think have gotten it right every time, um, have not. And you just, it's that stuff that's really hidden in the back of their career.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think for people listening, I think that's just a key element to take out of this, that failure challenges will occur. And really you, you you really need to focus on not giving up and understanding it is if you're desperate enough for the opportunity, then you just carry on and eventually you'll get there. Another area that I wanted to ask you about is I I know that um, in the last, okay, say 10 years, startups have become more commonplace across the world, I guess, particularly in America and and you're in New York, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Yes.
1: So New York, I'm sure you've got your fair share of startup. Mm-hmm. Businesses. So, have how how was that affected, sort of the job market and types of advice you're having to give people looking for work and and in and in the job place.
0: Startups have been a really interesting movement in the job market because. I think when you think of a startup, you immediately go to, you know, a ping pong table in the office and, you know, free beer and, you know, all these different great perks, you know, people wearing T-shirts to the office. It's this blasphemy idea that, you know, people don't dress up for work. Um, But what actually has been sort of a bigger movement with startups is this idea that work can be so much more than just a place to make money and to, you know, pay the bills. I think more and more people are caring about the whole work life experience of It's not just about perks. The the funny thing is people care very little about perks. Um, People would take growth and development and a good manager over, you know, free snacks and, you know, paid time off and stuff like that. Um, so I think in general, you know, startups have really sort of launched this idea that, you know, companies need to think about how they treat their employees, you know, how they treat their employees growth, how they treat their happiness at work, um, how they motivate them, um, and you know, their management styles. And so what you're seeing more and more in the job market is candidates looking into companies that, you know, care about their employees, um, and all of those different factors and companies are sort of tailoring their experiences to make sure that they're attracting that kind of talent.
1: I'm exposed to that, I guess, on a daily basis because I work in, a we- I probably mentioned you before, I work in a WeWorks in central London yeah. and that's full of startup. So I personally quite like the culture where there's lots of different, you know, verticals, different sectors, lots of energy. And I, I I like the the fact that you can talk to different people from different industries, but they can give they can share with you ideas that potentially you might you some ideas that you can you can maybe introduce to what you're doing. So I think startups is is definitely something that's interested me over the last, say, three or four years.
0: I think what's also great about startups is this idea of you know, innovation and thinking outside the box and, you know, not just doing your day-to-day responsibilities, you know, more and more people are interested in moving laterally and, you know, transferring to different teams at the same company. Um, and again, you know, companies are tailoring the way they think about their employees so that, um, employees have that room to grow wherever they might want to. If they want to take on a project outside their, you know, direct team, if they want to move laterally and work with different team members, um, they have the opportunity to do that. Um, and that's sort of sort of been a part of the smaller startup culture that has been created.
1: In relation to startups, because because I guess for startups it's very difficult in the first twelve months, eighteen months, twenty four months. I'm sure there'll be people. I hope there'll be people that have got startup businesses listening to this. I guess my question is around the recruitment process for them. How how important is it that they get that right? Are there things that they can do to ensure that they're making the right recruitment choices in those early days?
0: Absolutely. Um, so there's this thing called employer branding, which is mainly what the Muse does, where we help companies figure out how to attract the right kind of talent. Um, and a lot of that is really just transparency. Um, people don't have access right now to what a company looks like from the inside, you know, what employees are saying about it. You know, you have sites like Glassdoor where people can review companies, but it's anonymous. You know, sometimes it's really on both ends of the spectrum where people are really mad or they're really excited. Um, There's no sort of in between. Um, And a lot of those reviews don't cover the day-to-day culture and values of the company. And so the most important thing that companies can do is really be more transparent about What is a day in the life like on your engineering team, you know, at your company? You know, what does your retreat look like? How do you um, allow cross-collaboration across teams? Um, You know, how do employees work together? Um, How do managers treat employees? And, you know, how do they even think about things such as, you know, parental leave? You know, how do they treat working parents? How do they treat older job seekers? Um, So really making sure that the process is transparent, inclusive, is going to attract the right kind of talent because that's just what people care about right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's really... Sound advice because startups excuse the pun excuse the pump, but starting up every day mm-hmm. and and get in because I'm around that I'm around that environment and you know I'm I'm, a, I'm around it even when they're sat I work in a work so when you're someone sat in a cafeteria and something hasn't quite worked out and they've got to go through that recruitment cycle again, so it can be, so even for for those guys it can be quite demoralizing at that point because you invest a lot of time money in that in that person hopefully being the right fit so that's yeah. really really sound advice so as something that i wanted to focus on as well which we all can relate to i can relate to this is the interview process in making sure that we're well prepared for that are, are there key tips that y- you can offer making sure that we're as prepared as we possibly can
0: Absolutely. So interviews are stressful, even for people who are very charismatic um, and are used to having, you know, conversations with strangers. Um, it's still awkward. It, it can often feel like you're being interrogated. But the reality of an interview is it's a conversation, right? It shouldn't be treated like somebody's asking you questions and you answer them, you know, verbatim, the way you've rehearsed them. Um, it should really be about interacting with the employer, getting to a sense of what they're looking for and, you know, tailoring your responses accordingly. Um, so the biggest thing you can do with interviews is practice. I mean, it's as simple as that, you know, rehearse what your answers to questions such as, you know, what are your strengths? You know, tell me about yourself. Why do you want this job? what do you see yourself in five years? Um, Really thinking about what your answers to those questions might be and how they relate to the job too. So you're really making sure that your Mm -hmm. answers are answering the questions that the interviewer is looking for. They want to see how you'd be a good fit for them. And so your answer for these questions for each company is going to be very different. I highly recommend, you know, doing it in front of a friend or a family member or a colleague um, and getting their opinion, you know, where how does your body language look you know do they have any recommendations for ways you can you know tweak your responses to be even stronger getting that outside feedback can be really helpful as well
1: yeah I, I've done that with family before or we've done that routinely and where we've tried to go through the interview process and I, I've been destroyed on that What I've said that's not acceptable <laughs> you don't want to get the job that way so <laughs> so so it and it because sometimes it's quite you don't think because you're sort of immersed in Sort of, sort of the uh, recruitment or looking or trying to get the job. That when somebody's who's they can just be uh, more. They they can just give you their opinion, and that that that, that works quite nicely. Are there ever any times when you should have a maybe a red flag about accepting a
0: job? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super important to remember that as much as someone's interviewing you, you're interviewing them, um, and it can be really easy to get caught up in sort of the excitement of getting a job offer, especially if it's a really big company, a big name that you've heard about um, on the streets and you, you very excited that you've gotten the offer. Um, I think, A few things uh, to consider in terms of red flags. So the first thing you have to do is think about what's important to you. So it might sound great to get a job offer, for example, at like Google or WeWork is a very big company, but if they have values that are different from your own or they offer different kinds of experiences than the ones that you've actually imagined for yourself, that could be a really big flag. And the reality of it is every job is different for every person. So really figure out before you go through this whole process, you know, what's important to you. Um, What are your deal breakers? You know, what are the things that you really need in a job And what are the things that would be nice to have and sort of take those with you throughout the process. So coming into the interview with really thoughtful questions about the management style of your Mm. potential boss, you know, the culture of the company, you know, if it's a company where everyone socializes all the time and you're an introvert, you know, that might not be a good fit for you. Um, Similarly, if, you know, the manager is really hands-off, but you like somebody who's a little bit more structured and maybe a little bit more of a micromanager, um, that might not be a good person for you to work with. So um, understanding yourself before you go in um, is going to be the best way to avoid a job that you end up leaving three months, six months from now. Um, And as we all know, the job search is not fun. So nobody wants to do it again and again. So nice. if you can find a job where you're happy for two, three, five years, um, that's a great thing. So, um, really making sure that you've defined what values are important to you.
1: Yeah. Cause the, the process, the process can be quite torturous. So if, if you haven't done that due diligence and you, because I guess when you get a job offer, you're so excited that you, that we can, we mm-hmm. don't always, but we can just accept it. And with a little bit of research, investigation, we might think, you know what, that isn't, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm the right fit. <laughs> and I'm sure we've all got friends or even personally where that's happened. So I, I think that's really sort of wonderful advice for people. Say we've got the job and we're in the job. Are there key ways to advance ourselves to show that we're, you know, like a good Employee, because sometimes you you people may not have the confidence. If people don't have the confidence, are there ways in and around that they can maybe be more visible?
0: Absolutely. So you know, I think hard work goes a long way. You know, being the person that shows up on time. You know, does their Research and prepares for meetings. Um, you know, those little things really add up, and they're the things that people remember you for. Because um, so often people don't do a good job of that. It's the same thing with, you know, being a good email communicator. I mean, if you are using emojis and have spelling errors, hmm. in every email you send, people are going to think you're a little. Less, you're a little more unprofessional, and so really making sure that you're paying attention to little details and really putting in that hard work. For people who are feeling a little bit more insecure in the job, which is very normal, um, imposter syndrome is a real thing that
1: people Mm. experience
0: every day. I think it's important to recognize um, your weaknesses and to try to find ways to become stronger in them. Um, I think a lot of times people think that things are going to be handed to them at work, and you really have to be proactive in your career. Um, So maybe it's as simple as approaching your manager and saying, "Hey, I." I'm really struggling with this one project, you know, any chance I could, you know, take an online class or, you know, maybe get a little bit more support and leadership in this uh, problem that I'm trying to solve um, so that I can be better at it going forward. You know, maybe it's leaning on colleagues in different departments or even within your own department um, and getting their expertise and advice, taking them out to coffee, picking their brains um, to really understand how they approach things. Yeah. In general, just trying to learn as much as you can on the job is super important. Don't just wait around for your boss to give you assignments, you know, go out and pursue things that are really interesting to you and then go to your boss and say, hey, I saw this problem that nobody else is tackling. I'd love to tackle it. And here's my step one, two, and three of how I'm going to do it. Those are the things that get you a promotion. Those are the things that you know get you a raise. That's how you move up in your career. It's hard to say because I think it sounds like a lot of hard work, but even those little things can make a big difference.
1: Yeah, so essentially, don't wait. You can be proactive and you can ask for a project, ask for advice. And mm-hmm. that that's going to be the way to advance yourself.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I, I, I spoke to uh, Beth... Comstock on an earlier edition she was the formerly the vice chair at GE and she talks about permission slips so it's kind of like similar to what you're talking about but she describes it as permission slips where by you give yourself a permission slip to do something like go and talk to your boss about an initiative for a project or I would like to contribute to this or a raise or whatever it may be that actually it's okay to have to ask because I think there's a lot of people that they might be more introverted and you suffer in silence. You might actually have really good ideas, but you're not really vocal about them. Either you don't convey the ideas or you wait a few months for somebody else to voice those ideas. You might think, actually, well, I had that idea six months ago, but I was never confident enough to really voice that.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. And I I think also being okay with not being sure if it's the right idea, but going after it anyways. Um, the worst case is your boss says no and you move on and you work on something else. Um, I also think you know mentors can be really helpful in that too. I sort of say about like learning from your peers and from your leaders. Um, but if you can get somebody who can back your idea, um, that's going to give it that much more leverage as well. So you know, making sure that you're leaning on other people to support you um, in whatever decision you decide to make.
1: Mm. No, no, fantastic. This is potentially a common area as well. I think in the workplace is... It can be a reluctance to own up to if you make a mistake because of fear of repercussions or fear, of maybe a little bit of embarrassment about a situation that may have happened on your watch. Do you have any advice around that?
0: The reality of it is like it's scary to own up to a mistake, but especially managers would rather hear that something's not working and that they need to fix it, then for you to continue to make the same mistake mm-hmm. and to possibly make things worse down the road. So when something doesn't work out the way it should, um, you know, owning up to it can be really a sign of strength in that you know it shows that you are willing to own up when you're not perfect, um, which makes you human and also makes you an admirable leader. And then also it shows that you're willing to learn and grow from those mistakes. So um, always going in if something happens um, with some potential solution can be really helpful and sort of you know boosting your conversation a little bit I think it's really scary to go into your boss and be like I made a mistake. And I have no idea what to do next. Um, I think it can be more helpful to go in and say, look, this happened, um, but here's my possible suggestions for how we can fix it. And your boss might say, those are horrible ideas. I'm going to do it this way. And Mm -hmm. that's totally fine. But at least you were proactive again um, and thought of ways that you could fix it yourself. Um, And so your manager can look back and say, look, this person did approach me and come up with some potential solutions, um, which I respect because they didn't just let it slide and continue to make the same mistake again.
1: I I love the idea of, well, ideally we don't make any mistakes, but in the real world, we all make mistakes. That's a a fact. But I like the idea of owning up to your mistake, but then approaching whoever you need to approach with a solution, a potential solution about how you can fix it. Because A, it shows maturity, but also it shows that there's a little bit of creativity and you're kind of like not resting on your laurels and hopefully they can contribute to your solution and Or as Lee said, they might say, actually, I'm not sure this situation is going to work, but I'm sure they will think positively the fact that you've suggested a a possible solution. Absolutely. And sometimes people, I know in the workplace, don't always acknowledge other people that have helped them to get to a point. Should should we be more honest about showing appreciation for other colleagues that we work with in the workplace?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's common. It's just... Common human decency to be thankful when someone does something really great for you. Um, but if you want to think of it from a more selfish standpoint, you know these are the people that might be able to help you down the road. Um, mm-hmm. Should you ever want to get another job or maybe start your own business and build your client base, um, if you are, you know, appreciative and respected by people now, that's only going to help you going forward. So, you know, when you know someone does something great for you, you know, thank them and thank them genuinely and honestly. If a leader or a mentor has helped you along the way, you know know. show that you care by sending them an email or a small gift or you know treating them to coffee once you get the job offer or something like that can be really meaningful and it keeps you on people's radars it makes people think you know god forbid some great opportunity opens up that person thinks huh i have the great person for this and they'll think of you so it really is a selfish but also a selfless act that you can do for yourself
1: i think it's really smart to acknowledge other people's support that you get because like you said is the thing that we should do but also the reason I say is smart because of the reason you I'm agreeing with you essentially is that you don't know in your career when your paths are going to cross again whether it be within that business or it may be that you apply for a business that that person's working at in a few years time either they might be the hiring manager or they might be somebody that can vouch for you and if you've had a sound relationship they will, I'm, I'm pretty sure they will vouch for you. And uh, the world is a funny place, isn't it? Sometimes those coincidences crop up where, you know, if you haven't maybe supported them and you walk into that workplace, potentially they, they won't be the cheerleader that you need.
0: Absolutely. I think that's, you know, spot on.
1: I know people that's happened to. The workplace is a small place, particularly... If we all work in certain verticals, you know, whether it be, I don't know, I work in the digital space, so I know from personal experience it can be you you come across the same people. So it's always, regardless of how challenging some situations can be, (laughs) even when we're not smiling inside, outwardly, all they can see is our glistening white teeth.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to burn bridges. That is only going to hurt you in the long run. So, you know, keep those doors open, even if you don't like somebody or if something didn't go the way you planned, um, it's always worth at least showing respect and professionalism in any situation.
1: Is there a time when we know that it's time? So are there, are there sort of red flags when we should think about leaving a current role?
0: Yeah, I think it's very person to person. Um, but there's some overarching themes that people should look out for. I mean, burnout is a big sign. Um, So if you're not just exhausted from work, but it's you're exhausted for a long period of time, or you're really aggravated, or you're not feeling great, if you find that your work is affecting you outside the office um, in a negative way, um, and starting to, you know, permeate into your personal life, um, that might be a sign that a job is wearing you down, and it might be worth moving on. You've no longer Found yourself growing um, or developing? If you've been doing the same job for several years, um, again, it's this idea that you know you should always be moving up um, in your career, or at least laterally. You should always be picking up new skills and new experiences. Um, and if you feel really um, stagnant in your current role, um, that might be a time to move on. Um, especially if there's no room within your current role to expand yourself, it might be worth pursuing a company or a role where there's more opportunity for you to move around
1: yeah it's totally. and i guess that could be hopefully growth you could find within the business or externally there Mm might be it might be a situation where we look to look look, i guess look to to move on because uh nobody wants to be negative in the workplace or work consuming all of us one final question i wanted to ask is if you if you have advice for people that are in a workplace that are struggling with a role or what, what would your advice be for those guys?
0: I mean, there's definitely a lot of different routes you can take and it's totally dependent on your situation. Um, but if you are struggling, um, if you can trust somebody higher up than you, I highly recommend, you know, going to them, whether it's your manager, whether it's your manager's manager, um, whether it's HR, um, and you know, really start talking through the things that are bothering you and sort of coming up with solutions, right? So the solution might be I'd like to take on different responsibilities or um, I'm really struggling on these various projects. I might need more training or professional development experience. if you are struggling with work-life balance, maybe it's going to your manager and saying, I need to work remotely once a week um, for X, Y, Z reason. Um, and here's how I'm going to get my work done, but here's why I need to do this. And so, you know, again, really coming in with those solutions um, and figuring those out. A lot of that is really about personal reflection. So, you know, nobody can fix your career for mm-hmm. you. Um, it's such a hard reality to face, of especially when you're going through a difficult time of, you know, that nobody can just come in, wave a wand and make your situation better. Um, you really do have to, spend some time thinking about what it is that's making you go through this you know sort of rough patch in your career um and how can you possibly fix it and maybe it's as simple as you know talking to a friend and saying hey i don't know why i'm feeling this way but i am um, and sort of leaning on them to maybe give you some guidance as well
1: totally And, and you mentioned earlier something around mentors and coaches so they're obviously people that you can seek
0: out hundred percent. Yeah. A mentor can be anyone in your career, um, both inside and outside your professional network. Um, a lot of times it's really helpful to have a mentor within your network because they have a lot of connections, um, but they've also been in your shoes. So if you're looking to move up in you know, the marketing field, for example, if you have a mentor who's maybe a few years down the road, um, they can be really helpful in sort of guiding you because they've seen and experienced a lot of the failures that you might be experiencing. And so they might have suggestions for how you can move through them.
1: It's fantastic. And I'm sure people are going to want to reach out to you. So what's the best way for people to contact you, Elise?
0: Absolutely. So I highly recommend everyone check out Muse.com. It's T- um, T-H-E-M-U-S-E.com. Or um, you can follow me on Twitter at Allie Slice, which is A-L-Y-S-L-I-C-E.
1: Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes for anybody that uh, hasn't taken that down and also i love your blogs by the way so i definitely if people are keen to to read sort of interesting blogs on the workplace and life situations i think definitely people should uh, reach you or or check out your blogs i think they're fantastic yes
0: thank you
1: (laughs) so thank you so much Uh, it's been a absolute treat speaking to you No, it's it's been great uh, and for all the wonderful information you've shared it's it's been really really insightful so thank you so much and um, hopefully we get to connect in the future and for people that are listening to my perfect failure today thank you so much and please tune in for another episode which you'll probably get in about a week's time so thank you take care
0: Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out
1: for our next episode.